0: One of the things that we really understood is that the work that is being done when we're talking about integrating gender into peacebuilding organizations is that this work is highly political. It's not just technical work. Geneva Peacecast, a series on solutions from Geneva Peace Week, produced by Interpeace and Fondation
1: Hirondelle. Hello my name is Arnoldo Galvez and today we're going to be speaking with Sofia Close and Rosa Emilia Salamanca about how to integrate gender into peacebuilding. Sofia Close leads on conciliation resources, research, and policy engagement on gender and peace building. She also supports conciliation resources, staff, and partner organizations to integrate gender across all aspects of their peace building work, including within the organization itself. Rosa Emilia Salamanca is Executive Director of Corporación de Investigación y Acción Social y Económica, CIACE, in Colombia, a member of the Women, Peace and Security Collective for Reflection and Action, which calls for a transformation towards a more peaceful Colombian society. Rosa Emilia also participates in Coalición 1325, which advocates for a Colombian National Action Plan on Women, Peace and Security. Rosa Emilia, my first question would be, are we witnessing a pushback against gender equality? Is there a risk of losing what has been gained over the last two decades?
2: Well, thank you so much for the question. I really don't think so. I think we have cycles. And in this, I think we have made a lot of progress in this last cycle, but not yet, we don't have yet arrived where we want to go. So now we are challenged by many, many, many things that we have to change because now I think we have more conscience uh, from women and and we know that we have to change and we know that we have rights and we know that we have have to have different opportunities of participation, and we want to be in decision-making places. So I think that now we want more. And when we want more, and we want equality, and we want to have the same opportunities as other people, then the other people will get very afraid. And they will see that the places of power Will be like in danger. So when people are feeling in danger and they feel that things are really changing, then they begin to to find a way to push back and to establish new relations where they will will stay in 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 the in the places where they have been and where they have had privileges. So I think that now we have to find new strategies. Now we are at the door of new new questions and new ways and new and new possibilities of going onwards in this uh, very hard cultural, political, economical uh, transformation.
1: There is a common agreement among peacebuilding organizations that social exclusion is one of the main sources of conflict and violence. Therefore, addressing gender-based exclusion and inequalities has been at the center of peace-building programs for many years. However, according to a recent practitioner peer learning initiative convened by CMI, Marti Atisari Peace Foundation and Conciliation Resources, little focus has been paid to how gender should be integrated into these organizations' governance and internal practices. Sophia, how could we explain this gap?
0: I think what we're seeing is that this gap has manifested over a long period of time. You know, what we were seeing is that it's been, well, 21 years since United Nations Security Council Resolution 1325 was passed. And we've seen quite a lot of push of integrating gender um, into the programming work of conflict prevention and peace-building organisations. But we're seeing that there's, you know, substantial um, efforts into these areas, um, but we're not actually seeing the impacts that we are looking for. So we're still seeing... there is a link between the gendered impacts of conflict and links between gender inequality and outbreaks of violent conflict and where we have these overarching sort of global normative frameworks um, but there's this continuous gap between the transformative intent of those frameworks and how it is being implemented by organisations within our sector. Um, So what we what we were thinking is why don't we come together as practitioner organisations and really look to try and ask questions about how it is that we've been working to address these structural inequalities and these unequal gendered power dynamics in the different contexts in which we're working in and that we see core to sort of resolving gender discrimination as being core to the work that we are trying to achieve when we are doing... Um, conflict resolution, Um, but we're not actually, we haven't yet seen how it is that we can do this more effectively. So there's still a lot of questions and we wanted to put together, um, come together as 13 peace building organizations and ask each other if we could talk about what it is that we've been doing concretely to try and advance this work and try and um, uh, bring this gap together. And what are the particular challenges that we are seeing uh, happen again and again across the sector and what we can do to propose uh, to try and, um, try and uh, bring this gap together.
1: If the ultimate goal is to achieve sustainable peace, how critical is it for a peace building organisation to integrate a gender perspective into its internal practice and governments to fulfil its mandate?
0: It's really important. What we discovered was that when integrating gender into peace building, organisations are situated across a spectrum. And this ranges from gender discriminatory to gender transformative approaches. And what we learned was that Organisations working in the peacebuilding sector are working right along this spectrum. Um, and we had really frank conversations about where organisations sit now and where they'd like to sit. And what we also discovered was that within one organisation, um, any one organisation, different aspects of that organisation will sit in different parts of the spectrum. And what we were learning was that for most peace-building organisations, their first entry into integrating gender came through their... Um, external facing work. So for most people that is um, programming work, but it can also be their research and their policy um, work. And and certainly for our organization for conciliation resources, we have learned a lot about um, what it takes to integrate gender into peace building practice through our programming, our partners, and through the um, sort of peer learning and research that we've done with those colleagues over, over many years. But what we're finding is that organisations can certainly integrate this practice um, into its outward facing work to different extents, um, i.e. some of it might be gender sensitive all the way up to gender uh, transformative, but it's very, very difficult for organisations to sort of move beyond work that is gender sensitive, certainly if the organization has not also matched this work with its internal practices. And by this, we mean it's the the leadership and decision-making processes internally, really ensuring that the full diversity of um, uh, 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 colleagues can participate in those decision-making processes. And that, that leaders throughout the organization have the opportunity to engage with and push for gender integration.
1: What key actions can peace-building organizations take to better integrate gender into all aspects of their work and particularly into their own internal practices and governance?
2: Well, I think that we have to, it depends if, if you are a feminist organization or you are not. Uh, but... When, when you need to understand that gender issues are not only a technical problem, is not having metrics, is not having templates to see how many men and women are going to a workshop. It's more 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 than, than these uh, very, very practical things. It's a way of seeing the world is a way, is a political way of understanding nature, is a way of of changing realities. So it means that you as a man or as a woman or uh, other kind of identification you have, you are transforming yourself all the time. If you cannot allow questions in your institution and you don't know how to manage the questions that this is going to arise inside your institution about your behaviors about your speeches about your uh, mandates and, and roles and and all these kind of things, then it's very difficult because you have to take care of people because people are changing. Gender questions will question people, not only ways of doing. So I think it's very important to take care of people and to and to know that people will need advice to realize and to um- amplify these changes and to be and and to take care of all these changes because people will feel in danger where people will feel questioned people will feel very bad because many times they will be uh, seen as very patriarchal Uh, it doesn't matter if it's a man or a woman but they they we have been uh, rise in a, in a patriarchal system. So we have to re- recognize, recognize that we are very patriarchal. So these way of of moving with people, with taking care of the changes and having indicators that will take care of people and of conflict relations, for example, you have to have conflict, ways of resolving contradictions inside the institution because of gender issues. So it's a new world that is open because it's a very deep change.
1: Rosa could you please share with us an inspiring and empowering story on how a peace-building organization has successfully incorporated a gender transformative approach into its internal practice?
2: I think that many times when there is a case because we are a women's and and men's institution, there was a case where a man was accused by a a feminist woman that he has been like very rude with her because he has a very patriarchal way of behavior. But uh, she accused him in a way that he was so, he felt so bad, and he felt so much in uh, so much fear, and he was so, so ter- uh, like terror. He, she, he had terror of what was going to happen in a feminist institution to a man that was accused of being patriarchal, and uh, and. and at the same time, it was a huge conflict between men and women because men began to say, uh, "This all these feminist women are really looking to us in a way that we don't know how to speak. We don't know how to to talk to them. We don't know how to approach." And this was very difficult, very difficult inside the institution. So I think that through. Uh, Conflict resolution and hearing both sides and seeing the the deep. I mean, gender issues are not achieved like when you achieve making a shoe. You can say say you are successful because you have this pair of shoes that are finished and they are beautiful. No, these are social changes. So all these conversations that we have between people and we, that's why I insist so much in in the new limits that day by day we are creating, we are amplifying our conscious about what we are talking when we are violent. And also men, when they began to understand that being a man that is not patriarchal is not only, not being rude to a woman, but also deconstructing themselves. So I think that message is we are not talking about only a technical issue and success. We are talking about success when we are having men and women that have the capacity to deconstruct themselves, talk about it, Embrace their own fragilities and understand that they have to build them up again. Each one in a way of recognition of the other, and without the idea of having privileges over the other, but more like um, like a clear way of of respect and and just. Recognizing the other one as a complete
0: human being. Geneva Peace Cast, produced by Interpeace and Fondation Hirondelle.